Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team continues to work on the coaching staff. As more interviews begin to roll in, we'll take a look at who they're talking to and what they bring to the table, plus the charges for former Raider Damon Arnett are made public, and you'll hear my interview I did with Ken Rogers, one of the directors of the Tuck Rule, the 30 for 30, that's going to air on ESPN on February 6th, plus your calls and texts to close out the show. It's all coming up on Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, February 4th, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You ought to win as a Raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome in, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find it free and available on all platforms, as many of you do. And today's episode is being brought to you by the GetUpside app. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. I'll tell you a lot more about that later on coming up in the show. But right now, I want to jump into the teeth of the show because we got a lot to get to on this Friday as we close out the week really strong. And I'll tell you, Raider Nation, you want to talk about a busy week in Las Vegas. It has been crazy. From everything that started on Monday with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels both being named to the front office, obviously the GM and then the uh, head coach of the Raiders, to everything going on just in the city as far as the Shrine Bowl was Thursday night. Uh, Of course, we got the Pro Bowl coming up on Sunday. The NHL All-Star is going on, and I think I was a part of everything this week, and it has just been crazy busy, but it's a good busy, right? It's a lot of fun, and uh, there's a lot going on with the silver and black and a whole lot more, so trying to bring you as much as possible, but just want to get into uh, the news and notes part of the show here, and uh, we already talked about Champ Kelly as the assistant GM. The Raiders made that public uh, earlier this week, and so I had a kind of good idea of what Champ Kelly brings to the table as I did a lot of research and was reading a lot, and a lot of folks were saying that this was basically a home run hire. Well, on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Thursday, I had Daniel Greenberg. He's from Shy Sports Updates, and he joined the show to talk about Champ Kelly, what he meant to the Bears organization, and also we found out about former Bears defensive coordinator Sean Desai, who was interviewing with the Raiders for the defensive coordinator position. So it was good timing that I had Daniel Greenberg on. I just had him on at first to talk about Champ Kelly, but then the news rolled out about Sean Desai. So I'm going to let you hear what he had to say from a guy who covered the Chicago Bears like a glove, what he has to say about both individuals. Well, first off top, Champ Kelly, assistant GM. What was his thoughts on Champ Kelly? Yeah, this is a home run hire for the Raiders. Uh, Champ Kelly was a very important person in the Bears front office. Um, A lot of Bears players um, were big fans of Champ Kelly. Um, Before the Bears hired Ryan Poles, uh, Kelly actually interviewed for the general manager position with the Bears. Um, He was in charge of basically everything of uh, player evaluation, scouting, free agency. Um, He was in charge of the Roquan Smith uh, pick, um, Tariq Cohen. Um, So, yeah, a lot of – he was valued very high in the Bears front office. So there you go. Remember, Champ Kelly is the guy that actually interviewed for the GM job with the Raiders, and obviously they they valued him so much that they made him the assistant GM, brought him up to tag team with Dave Ziegler, and I do think it's a big deal, and you heard Daniel Greenberg right there talk about a home run hire, a guy that was very valued in the Bears front front office. So – think that was a big deal. Now, Sean Desai was a guy that later on, after I'd already booked the interview, found out that he was interviewing for the Raiders defensive coordinator position. So here's Daniel Greenberg talking about who Sean Desai is, what he brings to the table. Uh, he's been with the Bears since 2013, so he's been through you know the worst 
uh, days and the good days with the Bears. Um, but when they promoted him to the offensive coordinator this past season, um, a lot of Bears players, like I said, they, they, they love him. Um, he, just like Champ Kelly, he's very detailed. He's very smart in what he does. Um, and a lot of people gave credit for him for the way Robert Quinn played this past season. Mm. Um, and also Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith. He puts players in position for them to have a great year. Uh, he plays to the player's strength. And if the Raiders get um, get Sean Desai, it's going to be another great hire. So there you go. Some good thoughts right there on Sean Desai. And just because Daniel said he's a good hire doesn't mean that they're going to hire him. But they are interviewing him, and he could potentially be the defensive coordinator for the Silver and Black. And I did like what he said. He said, hey, he puts the players in the best position to succeed and have a big year. And if you go back and look, Robert Quinn had a hell of a year. And I remember covering him when he was a Cowboy. And he was, he was good, but he wasn't as good as he was last season with the Chicago Bears. And even uh, matter of fact, the year before that with the Chicago Bears because they signed him as a free agency and he had a really down year. Then all of a sudden last season, he really blew up. So, I mean, if, if Robert Quinn is a guy that, that they could take and really kind of blow him up and Desai has a lot to do with that, that's a good thing. So the thing about him is he runs a predominantly a 3-4 scheme. So I did ask how versatile can Desai be saying that most of the players that the Raiders have are really great fits in the 4-3 scheme? He is open. Um, he has said before that he... He's good with the 4-3 and 3-4 defense. Um, so it really depends on the players that the Raiders have on defense right now. And um, Like I said, he'll put the players in the best position for them to succeed either in the 4-3 or 3-4. So there you go right there. A little bit of a background on Sean Desai. Again, doesn't mean that he's going to get the job just because he interviewed with the Raiders, but just a little bit of background of what he brings to the table. And again, the Bears used a 3-4 front in 2021. They played 65% zone and 20% man. They use a pretty even mix of one high and two high safety coverages and blitz 24% of the time. Desai's favorite coverages were cover one, cover three, and cover six. That's from Tashawn Reed from The Athletic on Twitter. At Tashawn Reed does a great job covering the Raiders like a glove, but just kind of wanted to give that defensive breakdown right there so you could really get a good idea of who Sean Desai is. But like Daniel Greenberg said, he really is versatile and he's able to put players in the right position to succeed. So as far as other positioning coaches, uh, the Raiders still have not confirmed that Bo Hardegree is their new quarterback coach. Of course, that was something that came out. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network put that out on Wednesday, but they have not confirmed it as an organization yet. And then also, we don't know about special teams coordinator Tom McMahon. He, he came over from the Broncos. He was interviewing for that same position. Uh, don't know how that went either. Uh, there's been no word about it, but I can tell you that a lot of Denver Bronco fans are like, yeah, take him. He sucks. He's terrible. Like everything I've seen from every Denver Bronco fan, and I'll have to reach out to Cody Rourke from uh, Locked On Broncos. He can give me a little bit of a skinny on Tom McMahon, but uh, everything I hear about him is that he's a terrible special teams coordinator. So if he is, hopefully Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly, they all uh, recognize that and do not hire him but again that's just word out of Denver from the fan base that's not anything that I know to be 100% true also little news and notes Doug Peterson was hired to be the next head football coach of the Jaguars and you're probably saying why in the world are you bringing up the Jaguars well this is the reason why because Byron Leftwich on Wednesday no on Thursday excuse me he withdrew his name from the mix he decided that you know what Trent Baalke is there as the GM I don't want to be a part of this and somehow the Jacksonville Jaguars screwed it all up they had Byron Leftwich he was headed to Jacksonville he was going to be the head football coach and hopefully he was going to be given the time to try to help develop that team and Trevor Lawrence the young quarterback but 
that's not how it ended up shaking out. Now, Doug Peterson is the guy. But the reason I bring it up, because after Leftwich withdrew his name, it was down to Raiders interim head coach Rich Basaccia and Doug Peterson. And obviously, Peterson got the job. So most likely, in my opinion, Rich Basaccia will end up in Chicago as a special teams coach, working with Matt Eberflus. And also, Rod Marinelli will probably be the defensive line coach again. They have roots going back to Dallas. But I wanted to give that update. Doug Peterson, now the head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And my final little nugget I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day has to do with former Raiders defensive back Damon Arnett, first round pick, number 19 overall, just, well, a couple seasons ago, and now he's out of the league and most likely will probably be out of the league for good. He was arrested back on January 28th, a suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon, carried a concealed weapon without a permit, possession of cannabis above the legal limit, and possession of a controlled substance. And this event that he was a part of all took place at the Park MGM. It was in the... Uh, in the parking garage. Uh, one attendant said he brought Arnett's car, a black Mercedes G-Wagon, and asked Arnett for his ticket. Arnett told the attendant he threw out the ticket, so the attendant asked for his name and ID to match it to the ticket. Arnett refused and began yelling and cursing. The attendant told detectives. The attendant also said that Arnett pulled out a gun and he heard it cock. And so detectives got a search warrant and they searched through his car and they found Arnett's gun. According to the report, one round was found in the chamber and six in the magazine, along with three loose rounds scattered in his car. Officers also found three bags of cocaine in Arnett's pocket and 13.5 ounces of marijuana in his car. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Damon Arnett. And so, again, I said most likely he's probably not going to play in the league anymore. And honestly, it doesn't even matter. It's not about playing in the league. It's not being about a football player. It's about getting your life together. And I say it all the time that Tigers don't change their stripes. But this dude is only 25 years old. And now I did knucklehead things at 25, but this is not knucklehead things. I mean, this is all bad. And the thing about this is uh, he was seen on camera holding a gun, you know, had both hands on his gun pointed at a, at the attendant. The attendant wasn't someone who's going to shoot Damon Arnett, but he's going to roll up on someone and he's going to do that. And they're going to say, Oh, you're going to pull a gun on me. No problem. And they're going to pull one out on him and blast him. I mean, that's just the, the scenario, but that's how so many situations happen. Someone wants to be the tough guy and show that they have a weapon. And then someone else uh, shows that they're the tough guy and not afraid to use the weapon. And so that's one case scenario, but just in general, man, this, this dude is definitely not only going down the wrong path, he is already down the wrong path. And so somebody in his camp, somebody that is uh, close to him, some family member, somebody's got to get a hold of this young dude before it is too late. He is getting himself in all kinds of trouble. This is kind of similar to what Pac-Man Jones did. Remember back early in his career where he started getting in all kinds of trouble? And, you know, Pac-Man at some point got things turned around, and that's good for him. But, man, I mean, at least he had some success in the league, and so that kind of helps sustain him a little bit. But Damon Arnett has had nothing, no kind of success. So I can see this dude going down the wrong path so fast. I mean, he's just flying down the wrong path. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, forget football. I'm just hoping someone can get a hold of him and help get this dude's life right because, man, he had a gun on him. He had a bullet in the chamber, uh, six of them in the magazine. He had loose rounds in his car. He had three bags of cocaine and 13.5 ounces of marijuana in his car. I think he has a, a court date coming up in March. And again, man, that's just all bad. And a lot of folks say, uh, Q, he's not a former Raider anymore. You know, he went to Miami and the Chiefs. Yeah, but he never played with those guys. He was on the, the practice squad for Miami. And then he had a reserve future contract with Kansas City. The Raiders drafted him in round one. 
So he's always going to be a former Raider. So, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's not a big deal. I had a couple people DM me and say that. I was like, look, it's not a big deal. He is a former Raider. That's what he is. They drafted him in the first round. They're the ones that, uh, you know, their names are attached to him, and that's just what it's going to be. And that's one of the many reasons why Mike Mayock doesn't have a job right now. As many of us like Mike Mayock, drafting Damon Arnett and all these issues, all these red flags that they knew back in college, you know, are, are major reasons. And, and so there's just too many misses and too many terrible red flag character traits like Damon Arnett. So uh, that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, you'll hear the conversation I had on Thursday with Ken Rogers, director from the 30 for 30, The Tuck Rule, that's going to air on the 6th on ESPN. Uh, it's going to be really good. I'm excited to see it. Charles Woodson, Tom Brady, and many others are going to be a part of it. Well, you'll hear kind of a little background story on, on what to expect from Ken Rogers. We'll do that coming up in segment number two. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about the title sponsor of today's show, which is Get Upside and if you have a car and you get gas, which is most of us, right, you need to have this app. It's GetUpside. Download it for free right now from the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and you'll get 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. You don't have to pay full price at the pump anymore. You can get that cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot, well, they're making a lot, up to two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime you want, either your bank account, PayPal. If you got an e-gift card for Amazon or any other brand, you can do that as well. Just download the free GetUpside app, use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. The app is GetUpside. I also want to tell you about betonline.net, and I know that we're only about a handful of days away from the big game. You know, Super Bowl 56, L.A., SoFi Stadium, and then football season is going to be over. But that doesn't mean the betting season is over. You can get your gamble on with anything. Football's great. The Super Bowl's great. But boxing is great. UFC is great. NHL is great. College and pro hoops is great. All that BetOnline.net has you covered. They remain your number one spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news all season long. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to take a look at the Tuck Rule, the 30 for 30 show that's coming up on February 6th. It's on Sunday on ESPN. And I know a lot of Raider Nation is like, Q, I don't need to go through this misery anymore. I don't need to relive the Tuck Rule. And I, I felt the same exact way. But then I had an opportunity to talk to a couple of the directors from the show. And actually, it ended up on Thursday on Raider Nation Radio 920. Only ended up being one of them. Ken Rogers, uh, one of the directors from the show. And... You know, I say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. I'm going to talk to him and see what it's all about. And I'll tell you, I came away from this conversation that you're about to hear very intrigued because there's a lot of nuggets. There's a lot of background stuff that he talks about that really kind of gets the mind wandering. And it's like, dang, I really want to check this out now. Again, it's like the Titanic. And this is what I told him in the interview. And you'll hear it. It's like the Titanic. We know how it ends, right? The ship sinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no doubt about it. We know how everything shakes out. But it's still just hearing the background 
down and hearing what all went into putting it together, how Charles Woodson and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Mark Davis and others, Eric Allen, how everyone kind of reacted to how, putting this thing together and, and what their feelings were on this uh, on this tuck rule. Uh, it was really an interesting conversation. So I was so glad that he was a guest on my radio show. So we started things off and I just wanted to know what the initial thoughts were. You know, what really made them come together and say, this is something we need to work on. So here's Ken Rogers starting things off talking about the initial thoughts on putting the tuck rule 30 for 30 together. You know, the initial thoughts were after 20 years, it's time to look at this play through just a little bit different of lens. Um, You know, it changed a lot more than that game. Mm -hmm. And while at the time it seemed like a a play that um, was going to be the most controversial play, maybe besides the immaculate reception, right? Right. Uh, But one of the top two probably in NFL history, the results of that, if you think about what happened to the Raiders franchise, what happened to the Patriots franchise when actually – they were on completely different paths. Um, and what happened to the two men involved, um, right. Tom Brady and Charles Woodson. Tom Brady, you know, second-year starter, backup, comes in, is playing his first playoff game, expectations are low. Charles comes out of college as the Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick. You know, all the chips were over on the Raiders' side. And this millisecond of time and this millimeter of difference really changed everything, as you know. Right. Um, and it just feels like, uh, you know, it's happenstance that, that Tom Brady retired this week. But 20 years later, the greatest player to ever play, probably, it all started that night. Right. And it all started at that millisecond. And you look at Marvel movies, and they're doing all this stuff with the, with the multiverse and and alter, alternate realities and stuff. And we explore that in this film of what would have happened if it went the other way? Because that thought process is, a, is really amazing to think about. So much NFL history would have changed if it went the other way, not just that game. No, you're right about that, and we talk about it all the time. I mean, from John Gruden, that was his last coach game with the Raiders the first time. You know, he probably sticks around. I mean, the Raiders move on. Obviously, the Patriots don't. There's, Yeah, we've gone through the laundry list of things that could have been different, would have been different, should have been different if that had been called the other way. Now, Charles Woodson and Tom Brady, obviously, they were the two guys involved in it. And on the trailer, they were, you know, looking like they were having a little playful time. And, you know, obviously, they were debating. But putting this thing together, did it ever get a little bit – I don't want to say intense, but did it get a little bit, uh, you know, a little, well, intense? A hundred percent. You don't have to worry about Charles or anyone from the Raiders expressing their opinion on the, on the tuck rule. You know, you never have, and right. you probably never will. But what's interesting is that these two guys, Charles and Tom, who are Hall of Famers, obviously, uh, maybe the best to play their positions in the history of the game, they had been friends five years earlier when they met as freshmen at University of Michigan, and this moment changed everything. And 20 years later, until we started rolling the cameras, they had never spoken about that play together. Wow. Wow. Because Charles just couldn't bear to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom, you know, you don't want to bring it up to your buddy. Like, hey, remember that time where 
I be you know I, right. I went on and won a Super Bowl and became me and you lost that game. I mean, you don't want to bring that up. So this was really a real time like therapy session between the two of them. It allowed them to to make peace with that moment together. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's that's a that's a nugget right there. I mean, knowing that they didn't talk about it until the camera started rolling. And, you know, it's funny, uh, Ken, I was going to ask you, what do you feel like was one of your biggest surprises when you guys were putting this thing together? But I, I would think that that has to rank really high up there. It was really high. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people, unfortunately for Raiders fans, will forget um, the biggest surprise I had, which was how many plays could have ended the game before the tuck roll. Right. Uh, God, I hate bringing that up. But <laughs> it's true. You know, it's the, true. Pr- the previous drive, a lot of people remember that Zach Crockett was stopped on third and one. And had he just gotten that one yard, the Raiders would have been able to kneel and finish the game uh, with a victory. And so, for the Patriots' point of view, they're like, well, why didn't you get the yard? I mean, right. don't complain about the tuck rule, get the yard. But Hardly anyone remembers that then they punted to the Patriots. Troy Brown is returning the ball and fumbles. And the Patriots recover. Mm. And it's yet another moment where just before the tuck rule, there's this, oh, my gosh, that play right there could have changed everything. Just the fumble. And we'd be talking about Troy Brown's fumble. But because this play was so controversial, it wipes out anything that happened in the game beforehand. You know, every game, this is Bill Belichick's point of view when we interviewed him for the film is, eh, you know, there's a lot of plays in the game that decide the game. That's not not just the tuck rule. We had to go down the field. We had to make the greatest kick in the history of the NFL. We had to win the coin toss, which we were lucky enough to get. We had to drive down the field. We had to kick another field goal. Tuck rule didn't decide the game. But because it was so controversial – no one will ever remember anything else other no, no. than that play. That's what decided it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right because you, I, I could tell you exactly where I was when the play actually happened and all of a sudden it went to review. I could tell you exactly what I was doing at that moment, but every other play that you just mentioned, I can't remember exactly what I was doing at that time. You know what I mean? And that's, <laughs> that's, that's right to your point right there is that nobody remembers any other part of the game except for that part right there, the tuck rule, which ultimately just ends up being, you know, uh, one of the one of the craziest calls, and depending on what team you're a fan of, uh, how you feel about it. But I know how angry I was about it when when it happened, and they reversed that call. I just I I couldn't believe it as as none of Raider Nation could believe. Again, we're talking with Ken Rogers, uh, director, one of the directors of the Tuck Rule, February sixth, ESPN thirty for thirty should be a lot of fun. So, who are a couple people outside of Charles Woodson, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick that that you interviewed that are that really stood out to you? Well, Mark Davis commenting on it is uh as as you could predict is um in, incredibly um davis like um <laughs> nice. in his, in his nice. uh, feelings towards towards the play um so he he of course was uh, was really great and eric allen um i think mm. really stands out because uh not a lot of people know this but um when the previous play before the tuck rule went out of bounds. Eric Allen was standing on the sideline and heard the play call go from Charlie Weiss to Tom Brady. So they had the play and knew what was going to happen. That's how Charles got so free 
I mean, everything went the Raiders' way until it got overturned. And that's why, to me, the biggest interview we got, aside from Tom and Charles sitting down, was Walt Coleman. Mm. Um, And you're going to want to watch Walt Coleman. You you might not like him. uh, But (laughs) it it really is a, 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 I think, a pretty balanced film in that it's pretty clear that the rule was not the right rule. And they were trying to figure out what the rule uh, was going to be for years before that. And that he feels, you know, he, he wasn't supposed to interpret anything. He was just supposed to rule had the ball gotten all the way back to the body or not. Um, And he's pretty clear on that. But what, what's interesting is that the response you see in the film from everyone else, really speaks to the power of sports that everyone, you know, talk radio, TV, ESPN, even all the Patriots that were on the sideline that we interviewed admit, well, yeah, I'm, I mean, we thought it was a fumble. It looked like a fumble. <laughs> right. It was a fumble, right? Yeah. You know, like there's certain things that just make common sense. And that's why this play lives on is even if you argue it was ruled correctly, which I think, you know, Raiders fans may not, but, but, but plenty of people say, okay, it was at least, it was ruled correctly. The rule by spirit means that was a fumble. Everyone can say that was a fumble. And right. so the Raiders and Charles Woodson and everyone who hates that play, they're right. I mean, by spirit, it's very clear it's not an incomplete pass. I mean, just use your eyes. Right, right. And that's talked about a lot. And it's one of those things where both sides are right. And Charles really, really gives it to Tom. Um, they get so in the weeds. They start talking about other penalties they had. Did Tom trip uh, Greg Beaker? Did Charles hit Tom in the head? You know, unnecessary roughness. I mean, they get so into it. Nice. It's incredible to watch. I'm looking forward to that. That should be a good one. Again, we're talking about the Tuck Rule right now, the 30 for 30 airing on ESPN on, on February 6th. We're talking with Ken Rogers, one of the directors from the film. My man, Damon in the home studio has got a question for you. Yeah, Ken, we have Lincoln Kennedy as a co-host <laughs> on one of our shows on this station, and he always says there would be no Tom Brady without the Tuck Rule game. Is there anyone that matched? Who had the hottest take about <laughs> if the outcome of that game would have been different? Well, you're, talk- you're talking about the right person. We interviewed Lincoln, and uh, he has he definitely has his viewpoints. I think intercutting his viewpoints with Teddy Bruski's provides some some real fireworks in the show because, you know, Lincoln's pretty clear that he feels this is the game that made Tom Brady, that he was part of the team that, that created Tom Brady. And that's a strong statement um, and one that's not wrong. And then you have Teddy who clearly thinks, you know, why didn't you just get the one yard? Or, you know, why didn't you um, move on? And, you know, our coach taught us to let it go and and move on to the next play, and and the Raiders weren't able to do that. And there's some back and forth that I think is pretty clear uh, division of uh, opinion (laughs) on this. And... Lincoln is great about it. Uh, Mark Davis is great about it. Eric Allen is great. As I said, Tim Brown has always been great about it. You know, they're very clear on how they feel. And I, I don't blame them. And they're they're not wrong for feeling that way the rest of their lives. 
No, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a fun one. I mean, I, I uh, you know, like I said, I, I know how it, uh, how it ends. I, I mentioned it before you even came on. I said it's like the Titanic. We know how the movie ends, but I just want to see how it's put together, right? I just want to see exactly how this shakes out. So I'm very interested to see it coming up on the 6th. And, Ken, before I let you go, uh, how ironic is it that just this week uh, it, it's, it's announced that uh, Josh McDaniels is now the head football coach of the Raiders. <laughs> Obviously, he's coming over from the Patriots, and he says in his press conference one of the first things he told Mark Davis was, it was a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was such a great answer uh, by Josh, both in the interview and revealing that in the uh, in the media. He he um, he has been really great with NFL films. He, he is really a fantastic uh, person, a fantastic coach, obviously, um, and I think he's learned so much over the last twenty years, uh, both in his time in Denver. Uh, as he's talked about, but but working with Coach Belichick and and the and the Patriots and Tom and all that, I think he's really primed, uh, you know, to to maybe right the wrongs. Um, and wouldn't it be ironic if a guy from New England came and uh, changed the course back to where it was supposed to be and, and led the Raiders to another Super Bowl? That would be quite fitting, and I'm cheering for him. I mean, it really would. And I, the way that you just put that, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, that would just be poetic justice right there. That would be awesome. So uh, good stuff right there, Ken. We're looking forward to seeing the tuck rule on the 6th, 30 for 30 ESPN. You're one of the directors. Nick's the other director. You guys did, a, am sure, a fantastic job. If it's anything like what you've been talking about the last 15 minutes. So uh, we definitely appreciate you. Good job, and we look forward to watching it on Sunday. All right, I appreciate you watching, even if it's hate watching. I hope, you, uh, I hope, hope you get something out of it. So there it was right there. That was Ken Rogers, director of the 30 for 30, The Tuck Rule. It airs on ESPN on Sunday, February 6th. Uh, and, man, I don't know about you, but after listening to Ken talk about it and then just kind of go into details and not give too much away where it's a spoiler, but just give enough out there so it's like a dangling carrot. It makes me want a little bit more. I'm definitely going to be tuned in on Sunday to check it out. And if I don't see it as soon as it happens i'll definitely have that dvr rolling and make sure i check it out much later so hopefully you enjoyed that even though like i said as raider nation we all know how it ends the ship sinks just like in the titanic and the raiders come out on the wrong end of the tuck rule but very interesting conversation there with ken rogers coming up in segment number three your calls and text straight off that locked on raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 before i get into that though i do want to tell you about built bar and maybe a built bar is what you need to eat while you're watching the tuck rule 30 for 30 on Sunday. I mean, look, it's the tuck rule or the Pro Bowl. I'd much rather watch the 30 for 30 tuck rule. Simple as that because the Pro Bowl, we all know, it's not worth the salt. It's fun leading up to the Pro Bowl, but, you know, watching the game is no fun. But, Watching this 30 for 30, I do think is going to be fun, and it may kind of get your anxiety going a little bit, so you might want to, you know, get your built Bar out. Get that good-tasting protein bar, plenty of great flavors to choose from, including the one I'm most excited about, and that is white chocolate cookies and cream. I cannot wait to get that one in the mail. It has not arrived yet, but, man, it is on the way, and they've got so many different flavors to choose from. But the good thing about it is, man, they're low in calories, they're, they're high in protein, and they're 100% great tasting 100% covered in chocolate just fantastic so that's what you want to get you want to put that into your diet uh, you want to start eating better uh, everyone says that like at the beginning of the year right that's their new year's resolution to eat better well built bar is going to help you do that anytime you want that snack no matter what you're doing built bar is an easy go-to again it tastes great and it's good for you built.com use that promo code lock 15 you'll save 15% off your order when you go to check out again built.com promo code lock 15 
your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Raider Murdoch in the 209. He's calling in to talk about Mark Davis as the owner of the Raiders. Here he is, Raider Murdoch. Yo, what up, Q? Raider Murdoch from 209. Your show on Thursdays, and I must say, I've been guilty of throwing Mark Davis under the bus and blaming him this year. I texted you earlier in the year and complaining about Mark Davis and everything, but you're 100% right to growth, and he has become a great owner. I love that he didn't get suckered into bringing in Harbaugh. It would have been good in 2.0 all over again, running the whole operation. I'm glad that we brought in Ziggler and McDaniels working as a unit. That's what we need as the Raider Nation. I feel they're coming in and making it appealing for other young-minded coaches to come to Vegas and groom them to become a head coach or GM someday. With bringing in Champ Kelly and now interviewing Sean Desai for the D.C. job, it's something Bill Belichick was extremely good at. Appreciate your content, Q. Keep it up. Raiders. There he goes, Raider Murdoch. And, yeah, I think he hit it on the head, man. If they had hired Harbaugh, that would have been Gruden 2.0. And that's what he wanted. He wanted that Gruden contract, that 10-year, $100 million, all the power in the world. That's what he wanted, according to reports. So definitely glad that uh, Mark Davis did not ultimately make that decision. Thank you so much for that uh, call, my man. I do appreciate you. Next up is a text from Tony in L.A. says, hey, Q, Raider Tony from L.A., California here. Just quick thought. If OBJ doesn't resign with the Rams, do you think he'll be a good fit or a good option if we don't get Adams? Seems like a pretty good option to me. Anyway, keep doing your thing, bro. As always, first listen every morning. Love the info. Still entertaining without games being played. And Raider Nation, just win, baby. In life, since there's no football. LOL. And uh, that's some Tony in LA. Thank you for the text, my man. I do appreciate you. And you know, uh, the thing about it is I was kind of down on OBJ when he was still in Cleveland. Didn't think the Rams were going to get them a hell of a player, but man, they sure did. Now, the only problem is he's basically playing for a contract right now. So those are the kind of guys that you kind of wonder about and you get a little nervous about at times because they might go ball out and he is balling out right now. So if the Raiders were to go and sign him, if he doesn't resign in LA, if they were to go to sign him to a, a bigger contract, would he, you know, have a bunch of headaches or would he be a bunch of issues or, you know, any of that? Who knows? But I'll tell you what, what he's doing on the field right now, you cannot ignore. It's pretty impressive. So I definitely think it'd be under consideration. Let's put it like that. Thank you for the text, my man. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a call from Raider X. He's calling to talk about the new hires in the Raiders organization and how he's feeling about them. Here he is, Raider X. Yo Q, Raider X. Want to talk about the new hires and the direction of the Raiders. Yes, I'm very excited about this whole transition, bringing in Champ. Also, the addition of McDaniels. Yeah, they might not be Raiders in blood, but, uh, the, you know, I just wanted to talk about the transition. You know, they talk about Raiders, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. And that's because of the progression of, you know, being a scout or being, you know, low man on the to- the coaching totem pole or going from a player up to the main office. I think Marcel Reese is a great example of that. You know, you even look at Coach Flores. But now, you know, then there's, there's been such a gap in the time frame of greatness. I think the cupboards are bare. So that transitional cupboard is just not there. Additionally, just like changing with an era, and I know that, you know, the great Al Davis – was great, truly great, legendary, but they needed to transition, and that's where you get those 
those those thoughts that you know kind of lost it in the you know the the two thousands or you know along that time. So that's that's the difference. Now we're bringing in some new blood, transition, and hopefully they have success. And I think that will restock the shelves for future raiders progressing through the ranks, and we can go ahead and have that raider way. Unfortunately, we got to look into other avenues to restock. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Hopefully, we can trigger a new conversation with this with this uh, with this this call. All right. Until then, go Raiders. Yes. There he goes, Raider X, right there. Thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And yeah, it was time for the Raiders organization to evolve. Just like they evolved with a new home, a new state-of-the-art building that they're playing now, Allegiant Stadium that's holding all kinds of events, like the Shrine Bowl that I was at Thursday night, like the Pro Bowl that's going to be played on Sunday. I mean, they are able to hold everything. The Super Bowl is going to be there in a couple years. They can now compete with anyone as far as buildings go. Now they need to do that with the front office, and that's what I think they're attempting to do. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, the head coach, Champ Kelly, and there's still more to come to the front office. Don't think that they're done yet. They're not. I know for a fact they have more people that they're going to add trying to get that front office to where it competes. Just like the stadium competes, now the front office is going to be able to compete with the best in the league. So I'm very excited about that and and can't wait to see how it continues to evolve. Thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Got a text from NTX Raider. Say, what's good, Q? NTX Raider here. So this is just a random question or thought. Do you think that Coach Rich would have taken the interim head coach position if it meant the current outcome would have been a possibility? I understand the current move with Joshua Daniels and company, but with the impact he's had on the players after all that has transpired, it's almost to me it wasn't worth it because now he's leaving. His leadership I see and what he has meant is priceless. That's from NTX Raider. And you know what? That's not a random thought or a random question. That's actually a good one. That's a good thought because you could weigh it on, on both sides and say, hey, was was the, it worth the trouble? And I think for Rich Basaccia, it was because that's who he is. That's his character. It's not like he put on a front and said, okay, I'm going to take this job and uh, try to parlay that into another job. You know what I mean? That wasn't his goal. Yeah, he wanted to stick around and he wanted to be the head coach, but that wasn't like, okay, this is my opportunity. Now I'm going to be the coach moving forward. No, he said, hey, they came to him with a with a question and, and asked him to take on this, this role. He was already the assistant head coach to John Gruden, and he took it. And he said, hey, I'm going to do the best I could. And he did. He did a great job, got the Raiders to the playoffs. I don't think that it was, it was a bad decision by Basaccia. I think that he would do that 10 out of 10 times. I really do. Just because from talking to him, the brief times that I talked to him, the few times that I talked to him, I do believe that's just his character. That's what he's going to do. Even if he wasn't the assistant head coach, if he was just a rando on the coaching staff and they said, hey, we'd like you to do this because we think you got the goods to help these guys at least get through this season, I believe he would do that. Again, that's the kind of character that that dude has. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Next up, I got a call from Barry in Baltimore. He's calling to talk about Mark Davis and his thoughts on him as the Raiders owner. Here he is, Barry in Baltimore. Hey, Q, what's up, man? This is uh, Barry from Baltimore. Um just wanted to call in. I appreciate the pod. Like I say, I listen to it every morning while I'm working out. Um, just great information across the board. I love your opinions on things and just how you keep it real, you know, so I love that. Um, but, no, today, listening to today's pod, when you talk about Mark Davis, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, it, it's funny with that dude. I kind of respect him because, he, you know, he, he don't care what people think of him. He's still going to have his hair, which his hair, his gear, whatever. He's going to be him, and I respect that. You know, so many people just want to 
know, crack on them or, you know, whatever, you know, make fun of them. And I get it, you know, whatever. It's funny. It's a hot topic. I get it. But he wants to win. He wants this team to win. And he's taking chances. And I can't be mad about that. You know, he's not just hiring any you know, whoever and just to get a coach. He's trying to do something different, especially this time. I respect that. The Gruden thing, I'm with you. I was pumped at first. You know, after some things played out, I'm like, eh, kind of got off it a little bit. But I'm with you. He tried. You know, he, he tried. I'll give him that. Um, you know, he let Gruden run the ship. You know, we see how that worked out. Now he's going about a different way, and I can't be mad about it. And I give him respect as an owner just to try to win. And, you know, he loves the Raiders. So, I don't know, I thought it was great that you mentioned that, and I think you're totally right on that, man. I just – uh it's just funny. I'll try people try to just to, to, to like crack on them and things like that. And like I said, I get it. It's funny, but I mean, I just like he don't care. He don't care. He's like whatever. You know, he's doing his thing. So I respect that. So, anyways, great show today, man. Keep doing what you're doing, Raiders. There he goes, Barry in Baltimore. And the best thing about MD is that he's very comfortable in his own skin. You hit that right on the head. He's not worried about what others think about him. He's okay with admitting when he's wrong and taking a different approach. And that's what he did uh, after Gruden. He realized that that was the wrong approach. Uh, even though he wanted Gruden to be that head coach, he gave him all that power, gave him all those years on the contract, all that money, and it didn't shake out the right way. So he took a different approach, which was smart, which is another reason why I gave him a ton of credit on Thursday's show. So yeah, good observations, Barry. Definitely appreciate you. Just got time for a couple more. First up is a text from Raider Wade. What's up, Q? Raider Wade here. I just listened to your Thursday episode and your joke about the whistle had me rolling. So funny and probably true as well. My opinion on the new head coach of GM hires, I love it. You're absolutely right. It's good to see Davis mixing it up for once. It's time to try something different. I think Champ as assistant GM is just the icing on the cake. Very excited about the 2022 season. Expectations haven't been this high since 2017. Let's get her done. Appreciate love the show. Raider Walt from Salt Lake City and I'm out. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, man, uh, I don't know how high the expectations are going to be, but I do know with the Raiders going to the playoffs in 2021, winning 10 games and getting to the playoffs, my expectations are for the team to make the playoffs at least, at the very least, in 2022. And who knows what they could do with it. I'm excited about what they do in free agency, excited what they do in the draft, and just kind of see how they put this roster together, who they retain, who they don't retain, because there's going to be some turnover. Please believe that this offseason. They have a lot of free agents, a lot of guys on one-year deals, and uh, they're going to have to make some tough decisions on some guys. So uh, I'm interested to see how they put everything together. Of course, they still got to put the coaching staff together. So uh, once all that gets set in stone, then then you can start moving forward with the, you know, with the roster building. But, yeah, I'm very excited about what they've got coming up. And, of course, well, the Super Bowl is not even here, so it's going to be a long time before you actually see a game that matters. But uh, just put, seeing, seeing all the building blocks put in place and seeing how this thing is built will be a lot of fun. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And we'll close things out with a call from Antique Raider 513. He's calling to talk and ask about the Bengals and, in particular, what they did to the Chiefs twice. Here he goes, Antique Raider in the 513. Hey, Q, it's Antique Raider in the 513. Got a quick question for you. Um, I'm not the X's and O's guy. I'm just a football fan. I don't know it to any of the detail you know it, so I have a question for you. What did the Bengals do twice in the second half to affect the Chiefs so so big time? Um it's like one one thing to come out and shut them down in the second half, but they did it twice. So I'm wondering if, if you can help me understand what they did, and then also what might the Raiders learn from that? 
Uh, anyway, hey, I love what you do. I love the show. Look forward to it every morning. Uh, God bless you and keep it up. See you, brother. There he goes, Antique Raider in the 513. Thank you for the call and the simple answer. They stepped their game up defensively. <laughs> Talking about the Bengals. They pressured and made Mahomes very uncomfortable, similar to what happened in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Check this out. Mahomes in the first half had a 98.0 QBR. That's in the first half. That's when they led 21-10. to 10. They should have led more, but they blew it at the end of the, the first half when they didn't get any points. They got greedy, went for a touchdown, and should have at least kicked a field goal, but they didn't. In the second half... He had a 1.4 QBR. Yeah, 1.4, and they lost 27-24. They scored three points in the second half because the Bengals' defense was incredible. Patrick Mahomes had a 1.4 QBR. That's a mic drop moment right there. So Antique Raider in the 513, thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you, my man. And that's going to do it for today's show. Really appreciate you, Raider Nation. It's been a great week, a fun week. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of today, uh, depending on what time you're listening to this show. And, of course, uh, get into the weekend, man. Enjoy the weekend. Have a lot of fun. The Pro Bowl's on Sunday. Tuck Rule 30 for 30 on ESPN. That's on Sunday. And by the time we get to you on Monday... Be in L.A. We'll be at L.A. for Radio Row. It's going to be fun. Super Bowl experience. Didn't get to go last season but or last year, but uh, going to be back at it this year, taking Raider Nation Radio 920 to the Super Bowl in L.A. So on Monday, it'll be live from L.A., Raider Nation. I definitely appreciate you, and we'll be talking to you then. So enjoy your weekend. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.